Hi, and welcome to the Days Gone podcast. I'm Claire Weaver, a screenwriter, author, and Days Gone fan, and this podcast is a place to discuss the game in all its glory, share my opinions, both popular and unpopular, and listen to me fangirl over one of the best games ever made. There will be spoilers ahead, so continue at your own risk. Welcome to The Freak Show. In this episode, I want to get a little technical and lean into my photography background to discuss photo mode, what it is, how to get the best images, and what else it can be useful for besides taking awesome shots of the game. Joining me in this discussion is Mike Padua, an avid gamer, photographer, and contributing writer for Popular Photography magazine. And of course, he also happens to be a big fan of Days Gone. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Hello, Claire. Thank you for having me. I'm doing great. Awesome. Let's get straight into it. Uh, Days Gone. How many times have you played it? What's your favorite thing about it? Why do you love it? Oh, God. Get to the important questions first. The answer to all those questions is yes. No, um, <laughs> uh, oh, gosh. The uh, I am in my third playthrough. My first playthrough was obviously like a normal uh, game. I did a, my second playthrough. Oh, and then I played it a, a couple for a couple of months where I was just resetting all the, the camps and the hordes. Mm, mm -hmm. um, and then I did a new game plus did the story the whole way through again. And then I'm in my third playthrough right now where I am basically just uh, starting fresh um, in survival one um, and just starting not new game plus just, uh, you know, just starting fresh with, with nothing. So. Why survival one and not survival two? Cause I'm a little bit of a weenie. I <laughs> <laughs> you just got I, a little bit scared at the last second. Honestly, honestly, I'm not the best at this type of game. Um, even though I've put something like a, a total of 300 hours into this game, I, I, my dexterity is still a little clumsy. Um, and, um, and I'm just really not, I'm really not the greatest at these kinds of games. So I just kind of step the difficulty a little bit instead of going straight into survival two. And I'll be honest with you. I'm not even sure what the difference is between survival one and survival two. I was just about to say that. I was just thinking, I don't know what the difference is because in survival, you don't have the mini map or any of like the heads up display or anything like that. Do you have it in survival one? You don't have the mini map, right? No, that, that's that's correct. Yeah. Right. So I think it takes all that away. But I guess the difference between the two then would be the health and the damage of the enemies. So like they're slightly easier to kill in survival one versus survival two. And they deal slightly less damage in survival one versus survival two. That sounds way too hard for me. <laughs> And in fact, it was like I, I was even hesitant to go above normal because I the game still scares me. I'm still screaming. I love horror movies and stuff and I love this game. And, you know, but when um when uh when the music comes on, when a horde is approaching, my heart mm -hmm. still starts to race <laughs> when like when I'm listening to your podcast and that intro music comes on, I it's like, oh, my God, my. Why is my heart racing right now? You're like, oh no, a horde. Oh wait, it's just the podcast. <laughs> oh, it's just the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I was looking for the music to to put on the intro. And of course, I was like, I've got to find the horde music. That's got to be the one. So what's your favorite thing about the game? Gosh, you know, the, I think the thing that sticks out to me are, and I know this is kind of a broad thing, but the characters. Mm. Um you know, when when you think about a game like an open world game, a lot of like, for example, you know, Skyrim, you know, there are hundreds of NPCs and I will never remember one of their names. That's not the case in Days Gone. You know, there are, I don't know, six or seven really important characters. They're all fleshed out. Um, you've talked about this on your podcast before, but characters like Schizo, we've we all know a Schizo. You know, mm -hmm. every character in the game reminds me of someone over the course of my life. Boozer reminds me of my brother. Deacon reminds me of one of my best friends from high school who I still chat with in a group chat every day. Um, Iron Mike reminds me of my PE teacher who was also my math teacher in high school. And, you know, all these characters are just really fleshed out. In this latest playthrough, one thing that I've really, really appreciated are the facial animations. The facial animations are just through the roof. I, 
I don't know if I'm going on too much of a tangent here or getting too nerdy, but there's a scene with Ricky where it's the scene where Deacon is stealing the antibiotics from the infirmary. Where he gets caught and she pulls a gun on him. That's exactly the scene I'm talking about. So in this scene, there's a 10 second portion where Deacon pulls the gun on Ricky and then Ricky kind of calls him on his bullshit and there's this incredulous look on her face and then that look turns into defiance and then that look turns into like this stone cold ice piercing stare where she's you know she says to Addie check what's in the box and she doesn't take her eyes off of Deacon this whole time and her her facial expressions change like four times over the course of 10 seconds and that scene just amazed me you know I mean they're they're all amazing scenes they're amazing actors but that scene just really stood out to me so the facial animations that's the long version the facial animations are great and then also the narrative I really love the narrative how it's an open world game but you don't get lost in 30 hours of side quests mm-hmm. only to forget what the main quest is like, again, looking at games like Skyrim or Fallout, you know, I love those games. I love those games so much, but I get lost in hours upon hours of side quests. I don't even remember what the main quest was. I gave up on Assassin's Creed Odyssey because I just, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. There's just so many different yeah. quests that you're on. And I'm like, I well, just tell me a story. I don't know where I am in the story. There's too much to do. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and that's great if you're looking to, squeeze a game like a sponge i you know i love that but what i really appreciated about this game was that everything tied back to the main story Mm. you know you do a couple of side quests it's back to the main story and then a couple more side quests opens up and then you're back to the main story even the side quests don't feel separate from the story like i i think it was only in it wasn't until my third playthrough that I really noticed that there is a difference that you can, I mean, I knew you could skip some things, but that I really realized that you can skip the ambush camps and the uh, marauder missions and all of that. You can skip them. I just never thought to because they are presented as part of the story because it's the camps that are giving you the jobs and it's the camps that you're working for and the camps are tied up with the story, you know, except the Nero missions. But like, you know, Ricky calls you and says, hey, we've got a job for you. It's for Lost Lake. Everything in the story you're doing is for Lost Lake. It so all it feels, ties back. Yeah, it feels yeah. integral. It feels like it, it's integrated. Yeah, it never... It, there. I don't recall any side missions that didn't feel relevant to the main story. Even though they mm. were side offshoot missions, they all felt relevant. They all felt important. And I felt like I had to do... You know, I felt like I had to do all of them. Yeah. Yeah, because it's all about the relationships. The whole game, the story is about relationships, but the game itself is about building the relationships with the camps. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's get into photography. I mentioned in my intro, I studied photography in college many, many years ago. I put on a couple gallery shows and it was my way into a very brief stint as a fashion model. Honestly, I always prefer to be behind the camera instead of in front of it. My favorite subject that I like to shoot was architecture and landscapes, which is probably why most of my Days Gone photos are of the mountains and the lakes and the landscape. Talk to me about your photography and what your favorite subject is to shoot. So um, my professional photography, I I shoot right now, most of my business are theatrical productions and musicals. Um, And so the way that works is I get hired by a theater company and then I'll go to Uh, what is usually their final dress rehearsal and shoot from curtain to curtain. So from the end, from the beginning to the end of the play, and then that theater company will use those promotional images, you know, for, you know, obviously to promote on social media for brochures and posters and stuff like that. Um, I don't do this much anymore, but I used to shoot production sales on uh, movie and television sets. Cool. It's been, yeah, yeah. um, It's been, I think six years since I've been on, um, on a movie set. So it's been a long time. I have, I have two kids. Um, they're, they're 10 and six. So when, um, when that started to ramp up a little bit, I, you know, I had these two little kids and I was like, nah, I don't want to travel so much. So I'm going to transition away from that a little bit. 
being on a movie set is like 12, 14, 16 hour days. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, like, like without fail, you know, sometime six, some, sometimes seven days a week, depending on how much we have to crunch. But yeah, they are, they are long days. They're brutal. Yeah. I've done it. I've been there, done that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you do for fun photography wise? What do you like to shoot? You know, I just shoot pictures of my family. That's pretty much, that's pretty much it. Like if you go, like if you look in my Lightroom catalog in my archives of pictures, it's all just like, here's my daughter with the dog. Here's my son with the hamster. It's just like, it's all my, my wife, my two kids, our two dogs, the places, you know, the places we travel to. And, you know, that is easy because that's my life, you know, outside of, outside of work, my life and is pretty much my family, my, my wife and my kids. So that's what I, that's what I shoot. You live near San Francisco, right? Yeah, just north. Yeah, just north of San Francisco. You posted some images on your Instagram the other day that I actually shared to the Days Gone podcast Instagrams. So I thought they're so cool. All the foggy pictures, because I know San Francisco gets really good yeah, fog. Yeah, so we are right on the Carquinez Strait, which is basically an offshoot of this, of, of you know, right near the San Francisco Bay. And it gets super foggy, you know. And um, yeah, it's just beautiful, like really beautiful in the morning. So sometimes I'll leave it a little early just to shoot some pictures of of the fog outside before it burns off. And you, you shoot on film over digital. Do you do that exclusively or just when you can? I don't do it exclusively, but I, I shoot, um, I shoot film probably I'd say two thirds of the time. And I just, I prefer film because of the, the tactile process. I still, you know, I like to use a pencil and a notepad, you know, I still, you know, instead of like typing notes in my phone, like mm -hmm. I'm just sick of looking at my phone screen all day, you know, so I like tactile things. Um, I have a vinyl collection. I listen to records and, you know, I have a comic book collection. I like things that I can hold in my hand and with film, I, that's, that's kind of how um, that process is, you know, I love digital photography too. I really do. Like you can make some amazing images with, with today's technology. Um, and, uh, but it's just, it's just kind of a different process for me where I'll go out with one roll of film and shoot 24 or 36 pictures over the course of a day instead of shooting like 300 pictures with my digital camera. You know, I'm just, yeah. I'm, I'm psychologically, I'm a little bit more precious about it. So that's what I appreciate about it. It also forces you to be a little more selective, put a little yes. more thought. Yeah. You're not definitely. taking 50 pictures to get one good shot. You only have like two, three, maybe. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I'm definitely more precious about it. Definitely just more careful about it. Um, yeah. and it just looks, it looks great too. Like you can make a digital image look like film with some work, but when a film picture kind of looks already looks that way right out of the box, if you will, it just, it, it looks cool. Plus I like having the negatives. I like having binders of negatives and it's just really enjoyable that just, again, that tactile, really um, tangible feeling of that process. I love it. Yeah. Do you develop your own film or do you send that off? Somewhere? I do. Yeah. I, so I develop, um, I develop my own black and white film at home, mm -hmm. uh, but I send out my color film because that uses different chemicals. And the thing with color is your temperature, it's less forgiving. Your temperature has to be right on mm -hmm. um, your water temperature with black and white. If you're off a couple of degrees up and down, it's not a big deal with color. It's, it's more of a big deal. So, yeah. And plus time too. You know, I have, I have two little kids. I wish I had the, I wish I had more time, but I just don't. Yeah. Now you run an awesome store that is all about photography and, uh, it, you, you have some awesome stuff in that. Can you tell us a little bit about your store? Yeah. So again, that just kind of grew from, a, like a passion, much like your podcast, you know, I just like, I got really passionate about, passionate about film photography, like the analog processes of photography. So, um, you know, it started with one silly little, like an embroidered patch. Um, and then I just made more and more items. And then that kind of became pins and t-shirts. And my latest release is a camera strap that is made from this synthetic. It's not leather. It's like this really 
strong synthetic material that feels really nice. It's like super flexible. And um, yeah, it's, I started that in 2015 and it just kind of grew. It's, it was a silly little passion project that grew and grew and grew. And I, I had no idea it was going to grow that big. I love it. I love the stuff that you have, like the t-shirts and the, the kind of fun designs and everything like the little, uh, I don't say puns, but how have you describe it? Like little pl- word plays and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you've probably seen a lot of it as horror themed too. I love mm-hmm. horror, uh, you know, I love horror themed stuff, obviously, you know, with, with our love for days gone. I just love all of it. Yeah. Where can people find your store? It's a uh, shootfilmco.com. Awesome. All right, let's get into photo mode. Yeah, photo let's... mode is it's a fun feature that's been around in video games for a while, but I got to say I only started noticing it in the past, I don't know, 6 years or so, and I think it it really took off once sharing from your console became a lot easier. How would you describe what photo mode is? So, I you know, I'm I'm like you, I only really started to notice it it, you know, in the in the early years, it was like a novel thing that I really didn't bother with that much. But in the past couple of years, with specifically with Days Gone and um, the Spider-Man game that came out in 2018, that my my six year old son is way into. Like, <laughs> he's gotten way into photo mode, and he'll like he'll have my wife text me in the middle of the day and say, Hey, John wanted to show you this like while I'm at work, you know? (laughs) So, um, but, um, but yeah, it's just a way to kind of, it's just a way to creatively capture what you're seeing at that moment in the game through basically your own lens and your own perspective. And, um, you know, it, it, it's only with these latest crop of games the past couple of years where those photo modes have gotten, really really advanced with these really like deep settings that Mm. are really like i've never seen settings as deep as they have been with days gone like you know i mean days gone is the game i've spent the most amount of time with so i'm sure other games have really deep photo mode settings but you know the settings in days gone are, are pretty deep and really pretty impressive yeah, I want to go into some of the settings because there are a lot of photography terms that are used and, and sure, yeah. ones that I recognize. And then there are some that I'm like, I don't know what the difference is between these two things or I don't know, um, you know, what this word means, like things that even, you know, I studied photography and I still don't know what this is. Uh, so I wonder if we can run through some of those. But let's start with your favorite settings or cool effects that can be achieved. What is like the best thing to do with Photomo? So what I like to do is I basically, you know, because it's, uh, I kind of characterize it as an action game. So I always try to pause it at those, those pivotal moments where it's kind of at the peak of action where like, for example, a runner is about to bite you or a bear is about to knock you over or a horde is right on your ass. You know, it's like, I always think of like movie posters. Like when I was shooting, um, when I was shooting uh, production stills on movie and television sets, one of the best pieces of advice I got is that um, anybody can take a pretty picture of a pretty person on a pretty set with pretty lighting. <laughs> but if you can capture a relationship or you can capture an emotion, um, then that's what that's what people want to see. That's what is impactful to people. So mm. I love, you know, um, like when you're, you know, you, those long walks with Tucker or Iron Mike or whatever, it, you know, like I always try to capture those moments too. So, you know, I'm always thinking like in terms of like a movie poster. Yeah. Kind of telling a story with a single Exactly. Image. Yeah. Yeah. I have a few of the settings that I want to talk through. Let's start with Aperture. So this is, you know, something I use. I play about with the Aperture a lot. I like the um, really shallow depth of field where you have something in the foreground or a certain distance away from the the camera that is in focus and setting the Aperture so it and the focal depth so that everything else is out of focus. So you can really draw attention to one particular thing and have everything else kind of uh, not draw the eye. Right. Do you use the Aperture a lot? Do you play about with that? Yeah, exactly. And that that's exactly what it is. I always, you know, when you're when you're looking at a picture, you're always trying to draw your viewer's eye to a certain spot. You know, you you never want to assume that just because like, okay, like Deacon's Deacon's in the middle of the frame, but like if there's 
just a beautiful mountain behind him, it might be distracting from what you actually want your viewer to see. So aperture is kind of a weird one because if you're not into photography, a a smaller number means a larger aperture. That means less is in focus. So if you're, I think the default aperture when you turn on photo mode is 1.4. Mm -hmm. So that's a large aperture. That means that means Deacon's going to be in focus. The mountain behind him is going to be blurry. With a higher number or a smaller aperture, but you know, well, let's just say a higher number like 22, everything's going to be in focus. Deacon's mm -hmm. going to be in focus. The mountain's going to be in focus. The clouds are going to be in focus. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that's kind of how you can control that. And and like you said, if 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 you're wanting to draw your eye to a subject. Like for example, a portrait. If you if you Google portrait, a lot of examples are going to be sharp eyes, sharp face, and then everything behind it is is blurry, mm. and that's just you know really draws your eye. It's it it just and it can be really beautiful too. You know that's just kind of inherent in a lot of portraits is that it really draws your eye to the subject. Yeah, I like to do it when it's you, you use the word beauty. I like to do it when it's something that's kind of brutal. Um, but just as yes. a contrast, you like blur out the sort of the, because I mean, the problem with Days Gone is everything is pretty, you know, the landscape behind every mountain is gorgeous and is going to draw your eye right. every, the way the light comes through the trees or the fog or the stars, like everything, the moonrise, everything is fucking gorgeous. So I, it's almost like you have to use that. When I use the term um, small depth of field, I mean like, having just a single thing in focus and everything else like blood, yes. you kind of have to do that to get rid of a lot of the, the beauty so that yeah. your eye isn't yeah. just shooting all over the place. Yeah. You're getting rid of those distractions. Yes. Yeah. Distractions. Um, and I love to, to create like a real nice shot that is, uh, you know, like the boot knife in Deacon's hand covered in blood or something like that. And just like highlight that and, and, set it up so you have you know you have this beautiful world in the background but i'm blurring that out and i'm just drawing attention just this one moment of of brutality of like he's just stabbed something to death and it's just so you know nasty and visceral and and you know it's like dripping his hand is dripping with blood that kind of thing i think is really impactful uh and a good use of the small depth of field to draw your eye to that one little thing that one little detail yeah and that's beautiful and i did not I didn't know that you could zoom in and capture such detail until I started seeing other people doing it. I was always trying to capture like big scenes and stuff. Mm -hmm. I literally never thought to like zoom way in and where you can see the pores of Deacon's face. You can see every wrinkle on a, a screamer's face. Like you can see literally every line. I didn't know you could do that until pretty recently when I started looking at other people's you know, other artists, um, um, photographs. Yeah. Quick question. Do you play on PS4, PS5, PC? Uh, I play on PS5. I just got a PS5 last September. Nice. Yeah. My first two playthroughs though, I played on PS4. Yeah. Cause I, I'm on PS4. So sometimes like I'll set up a good shot and it's like the graphics just aren't quite what I want it to be. Like aren't quite as good as they would be on PC or on the PS5. Yeah, still pretty impressive, but yeah, but when you're like zooming way in, yeah, 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 for sure, yeah, I'll get one eventually. Um, let's talk about color grading. This is a one of the settings you can change. I don't know exactly how to use it to best effect. Explain it to me, please. Yeah, so color color grading is basically you're you are manipulating the the tint of certain parts of the image. And so this is where this kind of this confused me for the longest time. There's there's three settings. There's gamma, gain, and offset. So what that means is gamma means the the your midtones of an image. So basically, um, your green mountains, um, Deacon's jacket and jeans. Those are all kind of the midtones of an image. The offset portion of an image are the shadows, the darkest part. Like, for example, you know, the shadows you cast, like if you're, if the sun's setting, your bike's casting a long shadow, you know, you obviously you have those shadows. It's the darkest parts of the image. The gain are the lightest parts of an image. So you can control those all independently um, and you can change the color of, for example, you can use your offset. You can make that warm and brown. 
So your shadows are going to be warm and brown and kind of yellowish reddish. And then you can use your gain and you can make that kind of cooler blue. And that's just another trick to kind of not only stylize the image, but kind of draw your eye to certain things. Um, If you look at a lot of movies, a lot of the color grading that you're going to see is a lot of teal and orange. And it kind of became a meme, sort of. It kind of Mm -hmm. became really cliche to make things like teal and orange. But you can use that to kind of, again, great effect to just really draw your eye to certain parts of an image. Um, and, and, um, and yeah, just kind of make things a little bit more, a little bit more unique looking and a little bit more like stylized and artistic looking. That's really cool. I'm going to play about with that. Cause one thing that, that kind of frustrates me about the, the game and, and, um, fo- you know, using photo mode in the game. Yeah. And this is maybe because I especially seem to always play at night. Uh, like it just always seems to be nighttime when I'm in the game. Um, Everything has like either a brownish green or a blue gray color to it. Right. And everything seems to be kind of samey. So I'll set up a really good shot, but Deacon's clothing, his his jacket and, you know, his sleeves and everything um, have like a very sort of brownish green color. And then, you know, he's standing in a field and the field will be gr- brownish green or the trees are green, or, you know, there isn't really a lot of difference in color. And then if you go into like darker areas, everything has a very, very gray blue tone. Exactly. So you can split those up kind of color grading 101. And this is just super basic is the first thing I would try is adjust the offset and make that warmer. So your reds and yellows, you know, um, you can make your offset kind of warmer. And then adjust your gain to be cooler. So like blues and greens, and you can see how the image kind of, um, you may have heard this tone before the the image kind of split tones. It's not, it's not all just kind of one wash of gray or one wash of blue. Like those, those, the darks and the lights kind of those colors diverge from one another. Um, so that's where the first thing I would start is make your shadows, your offset, um, kind of a warmer color and then make your gain, which is your brighter, brighter areas of the image, make those kind of cooler and, you know, blues, greens. I can't wait to try that. I can already see it. Yeah, definitely. And it, you know, it just kind of gives you some variety too, because, you know, we play these games for hours and hours and hours and these colors get burned in our minds. So when you have the creative freedom to change those things to your eye a little bit, then it kind of, it's really, um, you know, it's, it just can be really beautiful what, uh, what you can come up with, even if sometimes it's an accident, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I, I didn't know you could do that. Let's talk about bloom. This is a term I don't know, but I am going to take a guess that it's to do with flare around lights, maybe. That's exactly what it is. So ah, yes, 10 points. <laughs> so it's not, yeah, exactly. 10 points. So that, so it's, it's the flare, but it's not the circular reflective lens flare that we think of when we're when like for example jj abrams Abrams. (laughs) right exactly (laughs) it's not that flare it's it's exactly what you said it's the flare around a light source like for example you're looking at a mountain um and uh the sun is behind that mountain and the sky behind that mountain is really bright and so the 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 light from behind that mountain kind of blooms so mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's why it's a glow, it's, called, it's a soft, a glow, a soft glow. Exactly. And you're going to notice that there's a bloom one and a bloom two. That's because in nature, when you're photographing something, there is the, the first bloom is, is pretty distinct. And then the second bloom falls off a little bit more gently. So you can kind of adjust that to have so that it's not so that that second bloom falls off a little bit more gently and then it's not so sudden. Um, or you can do it so that bloom is really crazy and really vivid and the background looks really like kind of foggy. Um, mm. And again, you know, you could do that to draw your eye to your subject. You know, oh. you can do that to kind of obscure things in the background. Um, Without taking of, it out of focus, but you take the exactly. sharpness away almost. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 
we're getting super nerdy here. I'm, you know what? If if you lose subscribers, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is great because I think a lot of people don't know this about photo mode. I mean, I like I said, I've studied photography. You'd think I would know this stuff, but I don't know what half of it means. I don't really remember learning all of this. And you know what's interesting is a lot of this stuff has to do more with video editing than it does photography. Right. Um, you know, um, in recent years, programs like Photoshop and Lightroom, they've adopted more of the the color grading tools that you find in photo editing. Mm -hmm. um, like, for example, just I think a couple of years ago in Lightroom and, uh, you, you know, which is like a kind of variation of Photoshop. Basically, it's an Adobe product. They just added a color grading wheel very similar to the one you see in Days Gone. Um, and something and it's the kind of thing that you've seen in video editing software for years now. So, you know, those things are kind of merging. But like a, lo a lot of this stuff has to do um, comes from the video editing world. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. I, I feel like this is really going to help um, my listeners really appreciate the things that you can do in photo mode. Because you see, we're going to get into some of the community members who create great artwork out of video games. We'll get into that in a little bit. But I sometimes I see these images and I'm like, damn, that is so fucking cool. And I have no idea how to do that. My images are good enough. But I think knowing what all of these settings do will really elevate our ability to create awesome fucking images. So I think everyone listening to this is probably already loading up the PlayStation, ready to get into photo mode to like figure out how can they make awesome images. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, one of my first tips is like, you know, we all love games. We all love movies. The next time you see a movie and you go, wow, that looks awesome. Pause it and ask yourself what looks awesome about that. Or, you know, it, and what you're going to notice is the shadows, the darkest parts of the image are going to have a certain tint to them. You know, are they are they warm? Are they yellow or red? Are they cool? Are they, you know, blue or green? Are they orange? You know, um, and then, you know, the highlights are going to have their own tint to them. So just kind of, you know, notice like, you know, wow, that looks looks really cool. Again, that 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 uh, teal and orange thing, which became so cliche for so many years. Mm. Um, you know, the reason it became cliche is because it looks kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, pretty um, much every action movie for the last, what, 10, 15 years has that teal and orange vibe right, going yeah, on. Yeah, and it does, you know, you can get burnt out on it, but, you know, I mean, start from there, you know, mm -hmm. experiment with that and then start from there. And then and then that jumping off point, you can make it your own. And that's the great thing about photo mode is it, it's, it has all these settings, but there really aren't that many. It's not too overwhelming that if you're just playing about with the color grading, you're just, you know, moving the um the offset from one end of the scale to the other and the gain from one end of the scale to the other just to see you can just very quickly like scroll through and find a place where you're like ooh ooh that's starting to look good yes yeah absolutely another trick too also in the photo mode menu is the depth color grading and what that means is your the stuff that is closer to your eye you can tint that differently than the stuff that is far away because we're in, we're playing in a 3d space. It's not just a flat picture. Mm -hmm. So, you know, because we have the benefit of, of this game engine that is creating this 3d space, the stuff that is closer to you, you can tint a certain color or you can lighten it, you can darken it. And the stuff that is far away from you, you can also tint a different color or you can lighten it and you can darken it. And that's what those depth settings are. Again, just, you know, the story that you're telling or where you want to direct a viewer's eye. It's just another tool for that. Question for you, saturation and vibrancy. What is the difference? Cause I, those are the two that I play about with the most and I actually don't know what the difference between it is. Yeah, that's a good question. That's like, they're, they're very, very closely related and they are, they can be, um, depending on the scene, sometimes they look like they're doing the same thing, but this is the way I look at it. Vibrance, when you when you slide that up and down, vibrance tends to protect skin tones. So it'll it it will, like for example, if you've got a if you've got a person in your scene, um, let's say again our hero Deacon, you know he's got his jacket, his jeans. If you bump up the vibrance, his clothes and the surrounding areas, like the mountains, are going to come up in saturation. 
but his skin won't turn orange. His skin is still going to, his skin is still going to have a natural hue to it because vibrance kind of almost intelligently protects things that are already very saturated. So it kind of doesn't, it doesn't touch things that are very saturated. It just brings up the, the things that are not so saturated. Saturation, on the other hand, just brings up everything. So if you bump up your saturation, all your reds are going to be red all, or more red. Your greens are going to be greener. Your blues are going to be bluer. Your um, character's skins are going to be more red and more orange, which you don't necessarily want that. So that's that's the difference between the two. Yeah, I usually pair it together. I, I actually bump the saturation down a couple notches and then the vibrancy up like four or five or six, depending on what I'm taking a, a photo of. Yeah, see, that's that's a great trick. You're kind of letting your eye guide you. Um, but uh, but from a technical standpoint, that's what they do. It's just the vibrance, you know, it it saturates things that aren't quite so saturated, but protects the things that are already pretty saturated. So um, but uh, but yeah, doing a combo of those and letting your eye guide you. That's a that's a great uh, that's a great idea. Tint and gamma. I feel like we've already you've already explained what gamma is. Those are in the color grading things. Those are kind of like in um like under like let's for example your gamma those are the midtones of the image most of your colors live in gamma so when you bring up your gamma it's going to brighten most of the image but let's say for example you've got the sun in the background it's not going to bring that up anymore because the sun doesn't live in gamma you know, because the sun's already the brightest part of the image. The, the gamma is just the midtones. I don't know if I'm making sense here. I hope I am. Yeah, yeah, you, but, you uh, are. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but again, it's like it's separated by gamma, gain, and offset. You know, gamma is the, the, the middle, kind of the middle, the gray tones of the image. The gain are the brightest parts of the image. And the offset are the darkest parts of the image. And within that, you can adjust the tint of each of those. You can adjust mm -hmm. the tint of your offset um, or your shadows. You can adjust the tint of your gamma, which is your, your mid-tones. Like for example, a, a, a tree, you know, the green of a tree, that's, that's a mid-tone, that's gamma. And then let's say a bright sunny sky, that's your gain. You can adjust the tint of that and you can adjust those all independently of each other. That's awesome. Okay. Vignette. You want to explain? I feel like a lot of people are going to know what this is from using Instagram. Um, yeah, probably. But yeah, it's <laughs> you want it's to explain really what it was before Instagram? <laughs> it's simple. Yeah, the corners of an image, um, you can you can make them darker or lighter. And again, you can just that's a tool that um, photographers have used for decades to you or maybe even centuries actually to to kind of draw your eye to the center of an image. And that's just like a holdover from. Um, it's actually a. Uh, 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 a a fault of certain lenses, you know, when the when a lens is kind of too small for an image circle, then the corners of it of an image will be darker. Mm -hmm. So, but uh, but and that's pretty much all that vignette is. It just kind of darkens or lightens the corners of an image. Cool, and that's for like you say, the effect of using that is to draw the eye inward to yep, whatever yep. you're you're trying to to kind of soften the edges so it's not just like a, an abrupt kind of edge. Exactly. Sharp corners and everything. It sort of softens it to make your, your eye naturally fall into the middle. Right. Fall into the middle. Yeah. And, and the way I tell it, it's, it's kind of easy to get carried away with that setting. I, I always, I always go people, overboard. Yeah. Oh yeah. Me too. I still go overboard. But what I tell people is bring it, make it, make the corners dark and make them dark to the point where you think it's a little too much and then back them off. Just, just, you know, a little away from that. So that's mm -hmm. always what I tell people is just go to the point where you think it's too much and then back it off a little because you don't want to distract people with it. You don't, you know, because if there's too much of it, you're just going to draw your eye to it. It's like people are going to think that the corners of your image are going to be artificially dark. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't really want that. It's like when people use frames, you know, you have the preset frames that you can use yes, in photo yeah. mode. I never use those because they, they take my eye off the image and they also do like weird cropping as well. They do. Yeah. I mean, they're kind of novel to look through, but I always just, I always just turn them off. 
Like I mm-hmm. always just want to see the image itself. And it's, it's cool that there are so many frames and they're kind of novel and some of them are kind of funny, you know, but yeah. at the end of the day, I just, I just turn those off cause they're just distracting. Yeah. The only one I really like is the one that's the mask, the Nero uh, yes. mask, yeah. which yeah, is the reflection. so just, dis- yes, the reflection. It's yeah. so distracting because I, on every time I see, it, I think it's, I'm like, how did you get a photo of a Nero soldier like that close? And, oh no, wait, it's that, it's that frame. That's what yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And then again, I think that one's cool because it's very movie posterish. You know, right. it's it's the kind of thing that you'd see on on a movie poster. Yeah. All right, let's talk for a second about how to get the photos off the PlayStation because this is something that people struggle with. Uh, it's a question that comes up quite often on the subreddit that I moderate, and uh, I want to just basically give the people the the two different ways you can get the images off of your PlayStation. The first one is fairly straightforward, stick a USB drive in the front and literally copy your images, go into the gallery on your PlayStation menu, copy the images onto the USB. Yep, Time consuming, but fairly straightforward. The other way is to use the app. Yeah, so that's new. I just heard about it a couple of days ago. Kevin McAllister actually posted about it on Twitter just yesterday. Um, that, uh, that you can on a, I, I think it's unique to PS5, but when you on, there's a setting on a PS5 where you can auto upload your captures and they will show up in the, uh, the PlayStation app on your phone. Um, and he noticed, he noticed that that feature went live, uh, I think yesterday, but then it also disappeared later in the day. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah. So because I know um, they I, were rolling it out in a few test markets. That's right. Yeah, I think they were testing it in Japan and Canada, um, and then I think you know people here in the states started to hear about it, and and it worked for some people. Kevin McAllister, obviously, being one of them, because he posted about it. Mm-hmm. And then when I, you know, when I tried to set it up for, I got all excited. You know, I I tried to set it up for myself. Um, it it didn't work. Uh, the setting, I followed instructions, but the setting was not there on the PS5. So I tweeted to Kevin and I said, hey, um, I can't get this to work. Uh, the setting is not there. And that's when he pointed out to to me that it disappeared for him as well. Mm. So I think they I think they maybe rolled it out and then took it away. Um, maybe some, so, some intern pressed the wrong button to yeah, roll it out to yeah, a certain fair. market. And it's like, no, 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 we're not doing yeah, that market yet. We're not doing we're the not US. Ready yet. We're not ready yet. But, um, but that's exciting that, that they're going to automatically, or you have the option to have them automatically show up on the app. And that's for video as well. Video will, will sync. So it's oh, your I video captures. Yes, video and images. Now, I also want to say there is a way for non-PS5 users and, uh, well, I guess PS5 users who can't get the app to do it automatically yet. You can still use the app to get your images off the PlayStation. And this is something, because I use the PS4, so the auto-sync isn't going to work for me, so I don't think it's going to be available for PS4. But I still use the app. The way you do it is when you take a screenshot, rather than saving it to the hard drive on your PlayStation, it has... uh, share the image as a message you send it as a message to someone in your contacts now you might be thinking like well i don't want to send it to someone i want to send it to me well all you do is you take the five minutes to make a second account and then friend yourself and then you can send it to yourself and you don't need to log in as that second account you stay logged in in the app on your phone as you but it appears in the chat message between you and the other you and you can just open the image and download it to your phone. That is brilliant. I've never thought of that. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, and it's so fast. It's it's a few buttons to, you know, to kind of send it, text it to yourself, but it takes like 5 seconds versus the time it takes when you want to get the the images off, you got to go get USB and all of that. And- I don't even bother with you. It's just too much trouble. Um I have a friend who set up a dummy Twitter account. Um, and so he'll just share it to that, uh, uh, to, to his dummy Twitter account and then get it off of his, you know, his Twitter account from his mm. phone and then just save it from his phone. That's a good one. Cause I do a lot of posting from my laptop and obviously I have the PS app on my phone, but if I want to get an, an image and like post it on, um, I guess Reddit I can do from my phone, but like say for what, oh, so making, um, thumbnails for my live streams and for the podcast, 
I have right. to do that on my laptop. I don't do that on my phone. So I'm doing like a two-step or three-step process, I guess, where I'm taking the image, sending it on the PlayStation to myself, going to my phone and getting it out of the PlayStation app, and then emailing it to myself, going to my laptop and downloading it off my email. But if I send it to myself on Twitter, if I tweet it, I can just go straight to my laptop and download it. Oh, very cool. So that and all of that step. is still easier than finding a USB stick and plugging <laughs> it in and then what, yes. then taking that over to your computer and downloading it. I actually have right here, I have a whole, uh, I don't know if you can see that on the camera, I have a whole little jar oh, yeah, full of USB a, you sticks. You've got a whole caddy of USB yeah. sticks. Yeah. There's your yeah. taxes from 2007. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, it's so much easier though. To, now I got the app installed, and now I'm no, I'm gonna do that Twitter thing. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna set up a Twitter. I mean, I have a, a Twitter account, but yeah. I don't use it, so maybe I'll just use that one. I don't even remember my login, uh, so I'll just set up a new one, and then I can tweet them to myself, and then I can get them onto my laptop pretty easily. It's still kind of clunky. I'm glad that they've they're fixing it with the PS5. Yeah, that's going to be so streamlined. I can't believe it took them so long to do this, especially in this day and age of social media and yeah. sharing. Uh, you know, like I can't believe it's it's taken them so long. And especially with having, obviously they want people to share it, but also everything we've talked about, about photo mode, it gives you so much control over the image. Why wouldn't I have the extra control of getting it off the PlayStation? Yeah. Like that's just and you're gonna let me do everything else yeah sharing it with people and promoting uh you the know game. whatever game you're playing yeah it's just every everybody wins yeah so i can't wait till they streamline that i was i was so excited when kevin tweeted about that i was like i went to go set it up on the app and the setting to turn it on appeared on the app but when i went to the playstation 5 it wasn't there so i was like what's going on so whenever that goes live i will be all over it Speaking of sharing images, there is a sort of question that I have a feeling we're, we're both going to answer the same way on this, but it doesn't hurt to ask the question. Does it count as art to capture images of a virtual world already created by another artist? I, I believe the answer to that question is, is yes. And here's why I think it, it is, is because even though that world was created by a team of artists, um, uh, you know, they, they decided on the textures and the colors and, and, you know, the, the shapes and all that wireframing, you are still presenting an image through your perspective. You are uh, presenting an image where uh, of a moment that you found that you uniquely found yourself in, and you're creating an image based on that. And, 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 you know, Kind of using your own creativity and the lens of your own experience and creating something based on that and that's just the same with the real world like if you if we go out and you take a picture of a mountain and i take a picture of the same mountain you know well that mountain's there it's pre-existing but you've got your own perspective of how you frame it where you stand how far you zoom in how close you get and I've got my own perspective. So, you know, so yeah, I think, I think that's why, um, that's why I consider it art. That's why I consider photo mode art, you know, people who share these amazing photo mode images. I, I definitely consider them artists. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, and it goes back to what you said at the beginning about how capturing images is about telling a story. Yeah. You know, you're using what you're, provided with whether it's in the real world or in a video game world and you are telling a unique story a unique moment or relationship or something that is communicating something more than the sum of its parts yeah yeah and even though this game was created by somebody else your experience in this game are unique to you you know um in in the in the way you choose to approach a mission in in um you know like a Really, the way you approach anything, you the way you approach um, taking down a horde, you mm -hmm. know, it's all it's all unique to you. Do you do it by stealth? Do you do it guns blazing? Do you do it, you know, just no shots fired, you know, Sponicus Rex style, which is absolutely insane. I would never do that. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's you find yourself in situations that are unique to you. 
And I think that's what art is all about is your perspective of the things that you see and how you present them to the world. Well said. Um, real quick, you, you were talking about uh, the different tactics that the game allows you. One thing that we haven't touched on, and I just want to bring it up real quick, is the little tactic of using photo mode to pause the action and see the terrain and the enemies and look around corners and see things that Deacon can't see, but you can kind of act like God for a second and just like zoom out of the action, freeze yes. time and just take a moment and figure out what your next move is. I had, I think that's brilliant. I had never seen that before until, and I'd never thought of it before until I saw Sponicus Rex do it in that um in, i think it was his breaker video like how to take down a breaker video um and he used photo mode to kind of show you the lay of the land it's like okay there's an explosive box over here around this corner and i that was the first time i had seen that and i was like that's that's brilliant so i had never done it before that um and uh honestly i'd played the games i played this game enough so many times that i kind of need that tool anymore but had i thought of that on in my first playthrough i definitely would have taken advantage of that i, I think it's brilliant yeah it's funny i don't use it or i i've started using it a lot more in days gone um recently but i i didn't use it my first playthrough because i get so caught up in the action but it is a tactic i've used in uncharted 4 because that has a it's really easy to get into photo mode in uncharted 4 now that came out six years ago that was 2016, I think. And it's, I, if I remember correctly, you just press both the sticks at the same time and it takes you into photo mode. So I would do that all the time to freeze it and look around. But for some reason with Days Gone, it just didn't occur to me to do that because it's it's pausing and then going to the menu. And, and I just get so overwhelmed when the horde is chasing me. I'm just like, oh my God, just run. <laughs> I'm the same way. I'm so, I'm so clumsy. I streamed... I stream very casually on Twitch. Oh um, yeah, what's what's your Twitch? It's it well, it's again, it's very casual. Like you're going to laugh when you see like my latest stream because it's me clumsily taking down a small I can't remember which horde it was, but it was just I was it, it was so clumsy and just really um it was really comical how clumsy I was taking down this horde. But it's it's uh the Mike Padua, T H E M I K E P A D U A. So just like my Instagram, it's, it's the same thing, but, um, but yeah, it's just like, I, I, I clumsy is my play style. So like, <laughs> I'm not the most tactical, I'm not the most tactical person. So it's just, I'm kind of clumsy in real life. So I'm kind of just like, you know what? I'm going to be clumsy in game too. I'm just going to be fly by the seat of my pants and just like, I'm going to barely survive this encounter with a hundred freakers. And uh, that's just, you know, I'm going to play this game the way I live my life. And that's clumsy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, shit, if you enjoy it and if, uh, yeah, if it gets the job done, if you don't die, then it's all good. Yeah. Yeah. And I've tried, I've tried the Sponicus Rex tactics, you know, and I just like, I'm just way too clumsy. My timing is just way off. So it's just like, you know what? I'm just going to go in guns blazing. I'm going to, I'm going to thin them out from stealth using explosives. And then once there's a few left, I'm going to go in guns blazing. Yeah. And I'm, I'm still probably going to nearly die every time. My favorite way to finish off a horde. I, I'll, I'll do a lot of like hiding in bushes, you know, higher elevation, throwing as many things as I can because I'm just yep. so scared to get in a gunfight. I'll do yep. that. And then I'll run away. Um, I have discovered the MG 55 and that is just, fucking amazing that gun is the best i have oh yeah when i have that in my hands i have no fear um but i always finish off a horde with a melee weapon i love using a melee weapon just to get the last two or three freaks because then it's like yeah i'm not scared of you assholes even though five minutes ago i was running for the hills <laughs> like looping back around it's so comical when you get the final hit on somebody and then you get that like complete oh screen. and it just pops up yeah yeah the, the screen just kind of pops up out of nowhere and you're just like yeah i did it the the funny part for me is when you x out of that screen and deacon will like finish his machete swing or his axe swing or fire the rest you know the the 
the shot that took out that last freak, you'll still hear it and the freak's still standing or still like lunging towards you before they die. Yeah, and then they crumb they crumble. They just to the crumble. Because you have yeah. that moment of fear of like, oh, is there still one there? And yeah. then, oh no, they're dead. The pop-up screen, I feel like is timed wrong. You know, it comes up a little too soon or it's a little too abrupt. Yeah, it is. It's 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 weirdly abrupt. It just like the second you land that fatal hit, it pops up. Yeah. And that just seems like a really weird um, it, it's endearing now, you know, mm-hmm. but it just seems like a really weird part for it to pop up. I would never read them. My, it's, I'm only now on my fourth playthrough able to read what it says because I'm so amped up after killing a horde. I'll just be like, X, 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 X. And it's like, get rid of that screen in like a almost a flurry of panic of like, no, you're blocking my view. Get out of the way. <laughs> Rather than being like, oh, okay, it's all, it's like it's paused. I can take a breath. I can read what it says. So for ages, I didn't read what it was telling me, you know, of like any, you know, horde killer, uh, you know, you've hit like 60% and unlocked the, the MG55 or this thing. And I, I would just be like, X, 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 X. Nope. Don't want to see it. Don't want to see it. I'm still in horde yeah. killing mode. Uh, <laughs> which... See, that screen for me is the signal that I can I can stop holding my breath. So it's like, it's just absolute relief when I hear that, you know, that sound and then the screen goes black and it's like, oh God, I did it. Like, yes, I can I just, I can like... And like you can blink again because yeah, I don't blink can... for the longest time. I'm like, oh, why do my yeah. eyes hurt? It's like, oh, why am I out of breath? Oh, it's because I haven't been breathing for the past like two minutes. Yeah. All right. One last thing I want to talk about is community members who share great photos. So we both picked out a few that we follow um, that share some awesome photo mode images. Do you want to talk us through yours? Yeah. Yeah. So I found a a couple um, and um, they use some concepts that we've talked about. One of my favorites, her name is Sarah Garado. And Sarah, if you end up listening to this and I mispronounce your name, I'm sorry. But on Twitter, her name is Callie Sarah 1998. Um, and she is a great photo mode artist. Um, and she, uh, when was this tweet? It was um, on January 26th. So it was just yesterday or longer, depending on when you're listening, when you're listening to this. But um, her her captures use that color grading technique of making the shadows warm and brown and making the highlights kind of cool and kind of that teal and orange aesthetic. So that kind of action movie aesthetic, and they're really beautiful. Um, And you can also notice how she uses that depth feature too, is the stuff in the distance is a certain color. And then the stuff that's near to you is a different color. So it all just kind of really separates that frame. So just beautiful work. One of the images is the uh, sawmill horde at night. Mm. So just like, and, and, you know, there's one top down of Deacon looking down at all the freakers. And it's just like, um, it's just super frightening. But she uses all those concepts of making the shadows a certain color and making the highlights a different color. So she's great. Sarah, Callie, Sarah, 1998. And then another one is, coincidentally, her name is also Callie, Callie Ocelot um, on Twitter, at Callie Ocelot. And she she does a lot of close-up stuff. And it was this particular artist that uh, made me realize the detail of when you can close get in really close to somebody. Like, you can see all the broken blood vessels in a reacher's eyes. You can see each individual hair and each individual wrinkle. You can see like the screamer's teeth and stuff. It's just crazy. So she does a lot of like close-up stuff. Um, and then um, another one that I really like is Photo Mode Addict. I follow um, them on Instagram. On They're on Twitter yeah. and I follow them on Instagram. They're mm-hmm. awesome. And uh, it's so funny. Like he he posted a, or I, she, he or she, they posted a close-up of Deacon's face. And Sam Witwer responded to it. Mm, um, oh, it yes. Was, it was hilarious. He said, um, you know, because you can see every pore and every wrinkle and every hair. And Sam Witwer said, my skin is so much more baby soft than this image implies. <laughs> so and that was hilarious that Sam Witwer found this image and was, you know, gracious enough to reply to it with 
with a, a funny joke. So it, yeah. it, it's awesome. So, yeah. and then of course there's Kevin McAllister. Every, mm-hmm. Everybody knows who he is. Viking dad, 278. He was a super fan. And then, you know, um, as many of your listeners probably know, he started um, working for Bend. So, um, so yeah, I mean, he does, he, he does a lot of games. Like he, I think he hasn't been posting or that horizon game is not out yet, but, right. um, but yeah, I mean, he just posts a lot of stuff from The Last of Us and uh, just a uh, great, great stuff. So Kevin McAllister um, and his Twitter handle is VikingDad278. Mm-hmm. The ones I follow, um, I don't really use Twitter, so I follow people on Instagram. Uh, one of my favorites is It's Unanimous Captures. And they yes. do, the, the ones I'm going to recommend them uh, less so like, uh, I mean, they're obviously all skilled photographers but the ones that capture my attention are the ones that take very uh they have a very uh different point of view or an interesting point of view and it's unanimous captures they do uh kind of film poster style edits to the photos they'll take a really really fucking cool image and like they are excellent at, at capturing the image from the game but what they'll do is they'll cut out certain parts of it to like create like a silhouette and they'll do like a almost a I call it a triptych. I don't think that's a exact proper use of that term, but no, that's do exactly like, what it is. That is exactly what it is. That's correct. Yeah, three panels with like mm-hmm. three different, and it tells like say it tells that story. So we'll have like you know Deacon in one and a Reacher in the other, and then a shot of Deacon and the Reacher together or something like that. They'll they'll kind of create that relationship between them. They are fucking excellent. And they even, they're followed by Ben Studio, which I think is a, a pretty big deal. Huge deal. Yeah, it's awesome. And they do, uh, they put text on it sometimes. So it'll say, you know, Deacon St. John, the drifter, almost like they're creating like comic book characters or something uh, or movie posters. So that is really, really cool. I, I love their images. Another good one is Shots with Boozer. It's Shots underscore with underscore Boozer. Uh, they also have another Jim appreciation, which is like a appreciation of Jim Perry who played Boozer. But shots with Boozer is all just images of Boozer, um, and just like the different captures that you can get of him, and like the cool uh, emotional moments, and just how badass he looks. And there's some they do a lot of stuff with really awesome lighting that blows me away. I'm like, how did they? How did they get this? Like, where is this lighting in the game? I don't even know how sometimes they get these images, but that one's definitely worth checking out. And then my last one is actually not Days Gone at all. It's an Instagram account called Joel's Broken Watch. Joel's period, broken period, watch. And it's all The Last of Us. But the way they, the images they capture are always just so poignant. They're so emotional. And every time I see them, I always stop. When I'm scrolling through Instagram, every single time I stop and I'm like, whoa, that is fucking cool. And I'm like, what? which account is this? And it's always Joel's Broken Watch. Every time yeah. I'm like, it's Joel's Broken Watch. I should know by now. It's Joel's Broken Watch. Again, they don't do Days Gone, but they do awesome photo mode captures that probably use a lot of the, uh, the things we discussed today because they're top notch. But they just the way they capture the images they capture the relationships and the stories that they're telling with the with the captures blows my mind every time yeah it's beautiful just poignant stuff absolutely yeah Yeah. all right mike well i want to thank you so much for coming on the show this has been such a good conversation i learned so much yeah i thank you so much for having me i just it's such a, it's so awesome to be able to talk to another Days Gone fan after when I discovered Days Gone and you know it was it it had been out for over a year and I felt like I was alone in my love for it but then you know I discovered the communities out there on Facebook and again you know when I found your your podcast I you know I reached out to you and I was like oh my god if you ever need a guest I'll <laughs> like I'll, I'll come on and just like, you know, it's just, it's so much fun to talk about this game. It's, I have many favorite games, but in this last generation of consoles and even this current generation of consoles, it's, it's easily my, has become my favorite game. Yeah. Uh, the most memorable, memorable game that I've ever played. And, and I'm still playing it, you know, like I, 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 I intend to just keep playing it. Um, and I don't see myself getting tired of it 
anytime soon. So it's a real pleasure to talk to, uh, you know, you and, and, uh, and, uh, yeah, it's so much fun. Thank you. Yeah. Well, like I said, thank you for coming on. I, this is why I started the podcast was because I was in the same boat. I found the game two years after it came out. No, I didn't know anyone who was playing it. It was not on my radar. It wasn't on any of my friends' radar. And I played it and just blew my fucking mind. I'm like, I've got to, I've got to talk to someone about this. I thought I was just going to blast zombies for a few hours and then yeah, it was going to be some fun. Yeah. Drive a bike, blast some zombies, done. Yeah, yeah. And it's like all of a sudden I'm riding to Lost Lake and uh, a soldier's eyes is playing. And why am I crying? You know, <laughs> it's, just like, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just an, an amazing game. It's, a, yeah. it's absolutely amazing. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you reached out. I'm glad we connected. Again, thank you so much for coming on the show. I know that you'll be back and we'll talk again about Days Gone. Anytime. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Okay. Here are the usual reminders. Every morning at 7.30am Pacific Time, you can watch me livestream my Survival 2 Fresh Start playthrough. I take on hordes, talk shit about rippers, and lay waste to ambush camps, all before I've had my morning cup of coffee. You can find me on my YouTube channel, just search for Days Gone Podcast. Also, don't forget to subscribe to see the ambush camp, horde takedown, and blooper reel videos I've recently been uploading. On Tuesdays, I invade the Spornicus Rex YouTube channel for a collaborative live stream playthrough of Days Gone. He goes into advanced gameplay tactics and strategy, and I discuss the story, characters, and all the amazing details of the game. You can find us live on the Spornicus Rex YouTube channel every Tuesday at 6pm Pacific. You can support the Days Gone podcast by leaving a review or giving us a thumbs up. That really helps the algorithm do its thing so more people can find the show. You can also show your support by heading over to buymeacoffee.com slash daysgonepod, where you can throw a little money in the tip jar if you're feeling generous. That really helps me with the overhead costs of running the show. You can email me your thoughts, comments, opinions, and counter-arguments at daysgonepod at gmail.com. You can also find me moderating the Days Gone subreddit. Thanks for listening. Weaver out. <laughs>